Hey guys, my guest tonight, Chuck Bergman, otherwise known as the Psychic Cop, is going to be talking about some of his cases. Be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Happy, what, Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. I'm losing track. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California. We even have people in Nevada, Oregon, and Washington, and some in Hawaii. But we'll talk about California first. The reason why I say it may take us a while to uh, get to you in California is California is huge. People don't realize that we could just be our own thing, our own existence out here, away from the United States. It's so big. So, when, you know, like, again, when people think of California, they, th they kind of think of us like Hawaii, you know, we're surfers and, and all that good stuff. And it is like that. Let me, I'm going to get Jack figured out, guys. By the time we get into Christmas, we're going to have Jack figured out. Um, but it is, it is a way because, you know, our, our, our main West Coast does have surfers. And I used to hang out with them down in Santa Cruz a lot in the summers. But there's also the the North Coast, which is kind of colder, so it's a lot of wet. You can still surf up wet seas, but no bikinis and things like that. And then you know, the closer we get to Mexico, the warmer it is. But as you come inland, you run into bigger cities, you run into deserts, you run into low desert, high desert, you run into a lot of farmland, a lot of rural communities out there, and a lot of mountains. There's a lot of mountains. The closer you get to Nevada, lots of mountains. Uh, Nevada and Washington. So in Oregon, you know, because, you know, you Mount, Rain, uh, Mount Shasta and things like that. So, yeah, you know, there's, it's huge. So when I say it might take us a couple days to get to you, that's true. But in the meantime, don't fret because we do have uh, psychics on staff who can call you in the interim. And if you do have activity going on, you know, uh, in most cases, they can calm the activity down before we get out there to work on it. So, you know, don't feel like we're, like we're not going to get to you because we will. Okay, we definitely will. That being said, uh, for everybody watching on Facebook tonight, if you like what you see in here, uh, please be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't done so already. If, you, uh, um, if you're if you on YouTube, same thing. Uh, we're looking for to keep filling those subscribers up. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please feel free to do that and share the show. Okay, everybody, share us around. You know, you might be in your house cooking, cooking pies for Thanksgiving or whatever, and there's other people in the house, and you hear the show and you think the show's pretty cool. Bring somebody in to show them. Project this up on the TV. I've even had people carry, carry me in their pocket as they're doing laundry. So, yeah, be sure to share the show. That's for both YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. All right, because that's where we're broadcasting live tonight. Um, also, uh, if you're on YouTube, like I said, subscribe. But uh, check out our videos. We have more than 800 videos sitting over there. They're all this show. And if you go through them, it gets confusing. So I put everything under categories. So that you can get to them easier. Like if you're into UFOs and alien encounters and all that, there's a 
a folder for that. If you're into psychics and, and mediums and things like that, there's a folder for that. If you're into psychic medium Nancy Maps, definite folder for that. So almost every topic that we cover was in a folder now, so you can find it, make it easier to find. All right. So that being said, again, if you like what you hear tonight and there's other people around, call them over and share us, you know, share, share us with your friends and all that stuff. All right. My guest tonight, very interesting guest, because we kind of hold something in common in a way. I, uh, when, when, when I was a journalist full time, I was on a crime and court beat. And so I used to go out to all the accidents, all the murders, you name it, you know. And I remember as a kid, like you guys know very well, I grew up uh, sensitive. I saw a lot of stuff in my house, still do. But I kind of, everything kind of shut down for a period of my life. You know, most, most teenagers get busy. They don't realize that's still there. And then when I started working again, um, I ended up working in a place that was between two haunted buildings. And so I started to see stuff all the time. And so on a Halloween uh, issue, I went ahead and covered a story over in the Woodland Opera House, ran into one of the local paranormal groups here. And the psychic from that group asked me and said, are, are you sensitive? And I thought, I don't know. And then I just looked at him and went, I guess so. Then he asked me, he said, you know, when you go out to these accident scenes, do you see the souls leaving the body at these accidents? I never thought to look, right? So the next one I go out on, <laughs> sure enough, I'm standing there watching, and the door of the car opens. This is, this is this gentleman was dead in the front seat of his car. Door of the car opens. I watch him get out of the car, and he's standing off the side of the road. And I thought, well, how weird. I, I'm going to have to alert somebody because they're not seeing him standing there because they're going to have to ask him questions. So I go to walk towards him, and sure enough, he just disappears into nothing. So, yeah, so that started all over again, and I, I started to see more and more, and here we are. All right, so that's why I'm fascinated and really interested and fascinated in talking with this gentleman, because being in the line of work that he was in, he came across a lot of stuff where, where there was ample opportunity for um, spirit kind to reach out to him. And so it, I think it's going to be a, a, a really fun interview. So without further ado, let me bring on... Psychic cop Chuck Bergman. If only I had a hat to match the one you're no. wearing, but I have nothing that would even come close. <laughs> I like was, it. I love it. My friend looked at me and said, This is definitely you. And I went, Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of year. See, I got my I got my kid back here. She's the Emmy's old <laughs> I noticed that. He can't wait. <laughs> so tell me about you, sir. Welcome. I'd kind of like to hear more about you. I read your your bio and some of the stuff that you've been through, and it was more than amazing, you know, but very, very similar mm -hmm. to things that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Now, you knew you had abilities when, when you were a kid, right, growing up? I did, and I, I would tell my mother and grandmother who would come over to visit from England on occasion, and all I got was, no, 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 it's your imagination, and It'll go away. Don't worry about it. But And it didn't. Like yourself, it went away. Mm -hmm. But when things were ready and things were right, it all came back again. And when did you realize that things were coming back again for you? How old were you at the time? Probably early 30s, very early 30s. And I remember the one time that it, I really hit home where up to that point, I was maybe getting, you know, lucky guesses or insights. Mm -hmm. That you know everyone gets intuition, you you name it, 
But I would do things like I'd be working in day shift in a marked police car, and I'd be, say, heading back to the police station, and I would see a like a really bad crash with a car taking down a telephone pole and cars and trucks and, you know, a really big mess. That was the first time it really happened. And I knew the intersection that I was seeing, which was somewhat behind me. Uh-huh. So I, you know, turned around, started heading in that direction. And I would say not even a minute into it, I got the, the radio call, you know, real bad accident, power cables on this street, be careful, the whole bit. So, you know, that was kind of like the opening of the door. Uh-huh. And then it went there. And I was pretty lucky being in Salem, Massachusetts, the witch city, uh, you know, being a police officer there, there were plenty of people I could talk to uh-huh. about the afterlife and readings and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I I went to classes. I did I did everything I could to become an investigator like you were because you'll be surprised to hear this, but I didn't believe in it. Even though it uh-huh. happened as a child, my adult reasoning said, hey, when you're dead, you're dead, you're gone, goodbye. Uh-huh. That's the end of it. <clears throat> I'll even say these words. I kind of thought that people that were hearing from spirits, kind of Looney Tunes, you know, like, right. nah, that's not possible. <laughs> so it's funny how the tables turned. See, I went through that as well, you know, where being a journalist, I mean, you have to look at both sides, kind of like being a police officer, you know, and you're reading people's you know, uh, uh, body language and things like that. You know, to see if they should be lied to or not, that kind of thing. So I went through that too, where I, I did not, not that I didn't believe, I just thought, no, it's all fooey. It's, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, it's, it's not there until things started happening. I, I agree with you with that 100%. But see, I think you were fortunate. I mean, how did the police, the other police officers take it when you uh, told them that you were seeing things? They thought I was crazy. They would uh, joke about it. Uh, you know, and a little bit later when I got an office job, you know, we moved into a new building. Uh-huh. I would hear different comments. And the funny thing is there were certain people that believed in what I did and would come to my home and even get readings after uh-huh. a parent would die. Uh-huh. And they became, you know, your greatest friend, your greatest um, protector out there when people would say bad things. And over the years, I guess the best advice is you're not going to win everyone over. No matter how good you are, no matter how well you do readings, there are some people that you'll never win over. Mm-hmm. So don't waste your energy. Mm-hmm. Don't waste your time on them. I agree with that. So as you saw these things happen, did it help you with your cases at all? You know, Were you able to, and I know this is stretcher, but like I was going to walk over to that gentleman and interview him for, for, for my newspaper article. Were you able to good. talk with them to find out details about what had happened? I didn't have one like that, but I did have one after I retired, uh-huh. you know, in Salem, came back to Florida where I was born. And what happened is uh, I was on the way home. Our son was maybe, I don't know, he was still in a car seat. So he had to, be, to have been pretty young. And we really weren't expecting it. We were on a roadway that very few cars, you know, not no action at all. And it's a divided strip. And as we rounded one corner, on the opposite side was a tractor-trailer truck pulled over, 
and the car was still smoking and the roof had been sheared off. Uh -huh. What happened is the car had gone completely under the truck and killed the, uh, the driver uh -huh. to be a female. So I pulled into the median and I thought, I didn't know how bad it was at that point, but I thought, you know, if I have to do CPR or, you know, render assistance, I will. Uh -huh. I, I went over to the car and it was obvious immediately that it, this was a fatality. And a firefighter from the area, an off-duty firefighter, was passing by. So he came over to give me a hand. You know, and the two of us both agreed it wasn't even a case you could do CPR on. But then all of a sudden, kind of like your story, I panicked. I said, where's the baby? Where's the baby? And he says, what do you mean? I said, there was a baby in the car. And he says, well, there's no car seat. There's no toys. No blankets, no bottles, nothing. I said, there was a baby in this car. Check the ditch, check the, the wooded area, check under the car, check under the truck. A baby was probably thrown out of the car. I keep getting that, the baby, the baby, the baby. And at that point, I wasn't terribly into the, you know, trying to be psychic 24 hours a day. So uh, anyway, no baby. And, you know, the fire department arrived. The police arrived. They took over. I kind of got in my car and left. Two days later, I'm reading a um, a newspaper article on the accident where it listed all the information about the operator. And the mother was pregnant. And that's the baby that was dying that I was picking up on. But I didn't know it. I didn't know enough about how that stuff worked. But I was actually in a a panic stage, like we got to find the baby. We got to find the baby. I was actually dying in her, in her belly at the time that, that's that was going on, and that's how fresh the accident wow. was. Wow. But it's on the idea of what you're talking about. I, I've seen what you're the apparitions. Uh -huh. I've seen that before. Um. And you can't really tell them apart from real people. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it's 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 pretty amazing stuff. It is, but I would think, you know, you doing you know, what you did for a living, you'd be seeing that stuff, you know, once you opened up, you'd be seeing that stuff all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it works the way it does. It's like I get to be me and do my stuff, and then when it's time to buckle down and either do a phone reading, and I don't know how when I do a group reading, it's like you walk in the door, and I, I laugh about it. I tell people I'd almost rather be a comedian because – a comedian, you can try your jokes on people all week. You go, oh, that one didn't work. That one bombed. I'm not going to use it. But when you're a medium, you know, you've got to go out and open that door and just hope. Hope that they're going to work with you. You can't do it on your own. You have to have their help. Now, my question to you is you talked about, because because you, you were in Salem, Massachusetts, in those areas, um, how long did it take you to really hone your, you know, to get to the point where, where you felt comfortable with your abilities? It seems like um, for me right away, I uh, I had a couple of things happen to the point where I wanted a reading. Mm -hmm. So in being in Salem, I went and booked, you know, went into one of the angel shops, had a reading, and I had to make sure none of my buddies saw me even enter the, the angel store, you know, with all the little angels hanging down right. from the ceiling and the, you know, the purple colors and you know, all the crystals and things that go with it. 
So they took me in the back room to have the reading. And, you know, I'd like this to be a lesson to anyone listening. You know, if you're going to go to a medium or have a reading, you can block the, the guy or the, the female easily. Oh. I could block someone if they're trying to give me a reading. It's easy. You just kind of don't agree with anything they say. Uh-huh. And in, in my case, I was more interested, is this for real or not? Uh-huh. And the way the reading started out, the woman didn't know my mother had passed. And she said, oh, your mother's got a little gift in her hand. And she's saying, give this to Chuck. And it's got a little gold bow on top. I said, oh, that's really nice of her. Point is, that day happened to be my birthday. So it was very appropriate that my mom would come through giving a little gift, a little present. Mm -hmm. But she didn't say the word birthday. See how messed up that is? So I said, oh, that's nice of her to give me a gift. Whereas if I had said it's my birthday today, she would have been really happy. Uh-huh. She would have been very, you know, oh, good, I'm, I'm connected. I'm doing this. So uh-huh. we went along with the reading. There were many things that I was still on the fence with, like lucky yes, or she knows what she's doing. Uh-huh. So anyway, we let it uh, let the reading end. And at the very last minute, I'm leaving, and she says, Hey, Chuck, if you have another reading, come back and see me. I love your mother, mm-hmm. and I love her British accent. And my mother's from England, and living here in Florida, everyone that knew my mom would say, that's the British lady. That's the lady you know, with the accent. And I think it was hearing those words that left it with no doubt that was my mother mm-hmm. and that communication with the afterlife was possible. And at that point, I really wanted in. I said, I've had a little taste of it. Now I really want in. So I started going to meditation classes and mediumship classes, you name it. I loved it. You know, I think, you know, uh, all these TV shows are out, you know, that, that, that you can watch. And the only ones I watch are the ones that, you know, have, have, have the police officers on there with their experiences, the, you know, the, the firefighters, and even the hospital personnel. Because I think it adds a lot of credibility to what we do as ghost hunters and, and what you do you know, with your abilities as well. You, you, it you does, yeah, it does add credibility, sure. Yeah. And some of the shows I've seen, it's like I can only take it for a few minutes and I'm off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. changing the channel. But <laughs> I've seen a few that are that are they're accurate and they're good. But you know, the the stress is really on. Mm-hmm. I claim to be a medium. I, you're certainly heavily involved in that world also. But we can't make like things start flying around the room or right. it's not going to happen because we want it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we do have our abilities. Things will happen. But it's really up to them upstairs on how much mm-hmm. they want to give and when they want to do it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been very lucky with crimes where – I can immediately get information and then I might go two or three days with nothing, mm-hmm. but it, it's a hard thing to do because one or two of the uh, law enforcement people are on your team. They'll work with you. They'll help you, but you can count on getting that three or four other guys that they don't want you to be part of it. Mm-hmm. They want the recognition themselves. They don't, they just don't want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about a few of your cases? I'm sorry, about what? Can you tell me about a few of your cases? 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of what would be. Um, I did one that I've done a few that were really. They're in my book, The Psychic Cop, that are really great stories. They're a little lengthy, but they're good. Okay. Um, but one, one I, I really found interesting was a lady, um, I'd say about 50 miles away from where I live. Her fiance had taken in a homeless person mm-hmm. and didn't bring him into his home, but he had a trailer outside. He let the homeless person live in it with electricity, heat, food, water, with the agreement that he that the homeless person would help him rake the yard, cut the grass, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, one day the um, you know the fiance goes to visit him. His car is missing. He's missing, and the homeless person is missing. It just didn't add up, and she knew that something was was wrong. But she waited a day or two, then notified the police. You know, as a missing person, and she contacted me. She'd been to one of my uh, group readings, apparently. Mm-hmm. And she said that they lived near a wooded area and she felt that he had been murdered and the body was out in the woods. So I said, well, you know, I'll take the day off. I'll come over there and give you a hand. We're going through a wooded area. Believe me, there were snakes, spiders. It was overgrown. It was really eerie out there. And at one point I, I heard the words come in, go home. You won't find him here. I said, whoa, that's kind of a weird. And I hear it almost like, I hear it as a voice, mm-hmm. and it's like a gentleman, like very clear audio, very precise, very to the point, and then he's he's kind of gone. So anyway, she, you know, I went over to the uh, to the lady and I said, I just um, got word that we're wasting our time. Let's go back to his house. I want to see what I'll pick up there. He's not in the wooded. He's nowhere in the wooded area. So of all things, we go back to the house. We sat down, you know, in his living room, which was a good place for me to be. And I'm telling her, um, I'm picking up more information. He was murdered in North Carolina. And I'm seeing a home on a bit of a hill. The driveway is on the left. It looks like it's white stone or it could be really clean cement. But it's a white driveway going up to the house, left side of the yard. I want to go halfway, I cut across the yard, and against the fence line, that's where you'll find your fiance's body. Now, why North Carolina? I don't know. Why did it come in the way it did? Who knows? A couple of days later, the the lady gets a, a call from North Carolina police detectives saying, oh, and by the way, it's kind of important, the car that he drove up to North Carolina was registered to her, making her the one, the owner, who could then report it stolen. So she reported it stolen. Uh, North Carolina spotted the car, ran the plate, and realized, hey, this guy driving it is in a stolen car. So they run him and find out where he lives and everything, which is in North Carolina. And they even took him to the house or went there to talk to the parents to try and get more information on the guy driving the car, you know, the homeless person. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, because it was in North Carolina, the lady that I'm helping out played a recording back to the detective where I described, you know, where the body could be found 
on that property because he let her know. He said, the house where the homeless person is staying, which is his parents, it's on a bit of a hill, white driveway on the left, very long driveway. But we had no reason to check the fence line opposite side of the yard. So with that information, he went back. They checked over there. They found an area that looked like it had been dug up and, you know, returned the soil returned. And I believe they were able to get a search warrant, which I'd love to read it. I don't know how they got the search warrant, but they did. And they dug up the body. Wow. So those are the type of cases I've done. Many cases very similar where typically I don't even work with the police. I work with the families. We solve the case. I kind of get in, get out, give them the information. And basically I found it works better if I give the information to the family, then they work with the police. And I'm out of the pictures, even though I've done, you know, 32 years as a police officer, it's still not that easy to work when everyone's trying to second guess what you're doing, how you're doing it. And they think you're in it just for the uh, publicity. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm, I don't have to do that anymore. I like the level I've reached with it where I still help out on occasion, but I spend most of my time either doing in-house phone readings or maybe a group of 20 or 30. And that's what I like doing. Well, that was my question. You know, here you were a police officer. You have these abilities. Did they, did, did the chief or anybody ever, ever ask you to do this, you know, while on the clock? Or was it just something that maybe you volunteered when you were on a, you know, different cases? It was just the opposite. <laughs> I was ordered not to do it. Okay. And the reason was I got called into the chief's office one day. And I would say, are you familiar with our uh, one of the uh, earlier mediums, James Van Prague, who's yes. still very, very, very busy, yes. uh, a very, very active, a very, very good medium. Um, I had gone to a book signing right after I started opening up with this. And became friends with him. In fact, the story goes, it was very quick where he was signing books, signing books, and uh, wanting to get out of New England because of a snowstorm. He didn't want to miss his flight. And when he signed my book, he said, wait a minute, is your mother from England? And I said, yeah, James, how would you know that? And he says, well, his mother's from England as well. And my mother is telling his mother that I can do mediumship as well as he does it. And at that point, I had only been opened up to it for maybe a month. Uh-huh. I said, James, I'm I'm a baby in diapers compared to the level that you're at. But because of that interaction, James and I have become friends. Uh-huh. And what happened was he had me give him a reading about a month later and then his uh, secretary reading with the agreement if they were if they liked the reading, he would put me on his website as a practitioner to give me a boost, to get me motivated with it. And that's kind of important because a few weeks later, I get called into the chief's office. And it was it was funny the way it happened. I go in the door and the chief's sitting at his desk and his computer monitor is a little bit between him and I, but he doesn't realize the face of the monitor is being reflected on the window behind him. And he just happened to, he's parked on the James Van Prague website. 
Mm-hmm. So before I even sit down, I go, uh-oh, <laughs> he knows what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, he had a good point. He said, you know, it's going to be kind of hard that if you if you have an arrest and you take it to court and the attorney brings up this website mm-hmm. where you claim to be hearing voices and carrying a gun, he said, mm-hmm. we could have problems. And when I tell that story in my book, it's funny because I, I turn to him, I point to the Salem police armband. And I don't think you'll see it in that picture, but I like the way you brought that up. Um, but the armband on the sleeve is actually a witch riding on a broomstick. And Salem police use that the same logo today. Mm-hmm. So I said, why would that be a problem? Look, you know, and I pointed to the uh, police patch. And he said, look, what you do in your own time is up to you, but you can't do it when you're working. And he didn't want me to reach out to other departments or or do anything that would bring attention to Salem. Right, right. And I, I, I get it. I understood all that, you know. So for me, a lot of things really took off right after retirement. That's when I started doing uh, missing persons, murders, uh, you name it. They, I, I couldn't keep up with them. There were so many. As you as you came into your psychic powers, okay, was it hard for you? And you know, I've, I've never done readings for people. I haven't gone that far, but was it hard for you to take an initial step to start to work with people and do readings? Yeah, you know, it's funny you ask that question because I would go to this thing that we called platform practice, mm-hmm. and it was at a spiritualist church where they would have uh, people come into the church and actually give readings you know, as part of the uh, ceremony of the day. Mm-hmm. And some of the readings were good, some were not so good, but it was always, to me, entertaining. And anytime I see a medium, if they make good contact, mm-hmm. the answer will be in the person they're reading. The tears, the, the I love this, you know, the expression on the face. You know, you know, you know when it's all being done correctly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did, I did my share of that. And what happened is I would be on, uh, what would you call it? We do the platform practice. Mm-hmm. And I had this thing where I could never be first. Let's say someone want to volunteer to go on stage and give a couple of readings. And, you know, different people would stop by the audience to get readings. Mm-hmm. I always had to be second, third, or fourth. I couldn't, I wasn't brave enough to get up and, and just do it. So finally, I, I thought about it. And when James said James said he would put me on the James Van Prague website, I thought, well, you can't be shy. You know, if you're going to be out in the public like that, then you got you can't be afraid to be first. Mm-hmm. So a couple of weeks later, I went to the, you know, the platform practice. And when the instructor said, okay, who wants to be first? I said, I do. I, and I went right up on stage. But my attitude was, I don't care if I make a good contact, a good reading. What matters is I'm first, I'm up here. Even if I fail, I'm the f- I, I broke the, the mold. I did something that I couldn't do before. So I did a reading. It came out really good. The next week, I repeated it. Third week, I did it again. And then after that, I said, I don't have to be first anymore. I'll just... If no one else will go up, I'll go up. But, you know, now it's a lot different when you're the headliner and they say, here he is, and you walk out there and, 
there's nothing in your head. You're going, oh my gosh, where do I start? <laughs> That's the hardest part about being a medium. You know, it's. That's a good point you just brought up. That's another question I have for you is when you go out in front of an audience to do this, and you know, there's a bunch, there's a good handful of people, maybe a bunch of people for all I know. How hard is it to sort through the messages you're getting? Something weird takes over. It's almost like you you zero in on the person that you want. It's like you'll know the area that they're sitting in. Mm -hmm. And usually you'll give just enough that they'll go, oh, that's my dad or my uncle or my brother. They'll give you enough that you can work with it. Mm -hmm. And while they're talking is usually while I'm bringing in even more information. It's Since you're talking about what it, you know, like the beginning of it, what it what it can right, be like right, to, right. because that's that that's the hard part. We did a thing after the meditation school, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, the instructor said um, that she was going to pick three different people um, that could get on stage in front of a group of people and you know do readings, and they were going to charge for the admittance, and the deal was all the money would go to help the church. Mm -hmm. So we thought, yeah, I'll, whoever she picks, fine. I'll, I'll be happy to, to help. So she picked myself and two other, two of the female to do the readings. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget sitting in the back of the stage waiting, you know, to go up one at a time. She said, um, I'm going to have the girls come up first. And then I'm thinking, good. If they bomb, it won't be too bad if I also bomb. <laughs> Uh -huh. There'll be all three of us. But if they do really good and I bomb, it's not going to be that great. Uh -huh. And it, it's funny the way things play out because there was standing room only. Um, they sold out. I think they said there were 125 people in the room, which is a lot for your very first little group, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And I walked out. There was nothing in my head. I knew I don't know who I'm going to talk, give any information to. And I went, I want the very last row over on the right. And I'm hearing the name Parker. Silence. The silence will kill you. It's like, are you sure? I said, I'm over on the right. Very last row. Parker. I said, it's a lady that died within the last three months. So she's a little on the heavy side, very short, very sweet lady. And she wants to say hello to Mr. Parker. Nothing. Oh, my gosh. So then I said, well, let me try this side of the room. Because I remember at that point, I wanted to say, I'm out of here, and I'm never going to do this again. I'm finished. Uh -huh. This is crazy. <laughs> that was my real – I almost did that. Uh -huh. Anyway, I went to the other side of the room, and then I picked four or five people. Beautiful, beautiful readings. The, you know, ended the night on really good readings. And uh -huh. I'll never forget, even the last reading um, – the lady that I'm giving the reading to, I said, you have so many people in the spirit world. I don't know why, but they're on a school bus and they're all going by me right now on one side of the bus, making it lean. So as it's tipping, they're all waving out the window and saying goodbye to you because they enjoyed, you know, what we did tonight. I said, why do they choose that for a, a goodbye, you know, metaphor or whatever? She said, well, I'm a school bus driver. Wow. That's the way I ended it. That's the way I ended my night. Everyone, everyone's going, yeah, you know, it was really good. So we go to a meet and greet. A little old man walks up to me. 
And he goes, hey, Chuck, uh, you don't know me, but I work in the area. I think he was a fire chief in one of the smaller towns. He said, I know, I've known you for a few years. He said, I didn't know you were doing this stuff. He said, but I want to ask you a question. He said, in the very beginning, you said the last row on the right, the name Parker. And I said, you know, I almost quit. I almost gave up mediumship. I said, that was really embarrassing. And it was. Mm -hmm. Chuck, I'll tell you, my last name is Parker. I was in next to the last row. Should I have raised my hand? <laughs> I said, you better turn around and walk the other way because I'm getting ready to raise my hand. I said, and it's going to be one, one heck of a slap. Wow. But true story. He did say, I was next to the last row. Should I have acknowledged it? And then he had the nerve to say, well, did I get a message from his wife? Right. It's like, you know, you embarrassed the hell out of me. I almost quit mediumship. And on top of it, I got to give you a message. It's like, no. So no, she didn't have anything to say. But it, it's it's an amazing, amazing. The beginning is probably going to be bumpy for a lot of people. I don't think it's easy for anyone. Mm-hmm. It's a case also of being able to build up your confidence too, because I mean, if you know that that you know what you're saying is, is fairly accurate, it's going to make you want to do more, like anybody else. You're going to want to keep keep at it and do more. But with I think with the psychics that I've trained, because I teach a I teach basic psychic development classes. You know, and it's a matter of finding what what their niche is, you know, where their talent lies, and then taking off from there. Which brings me to my next question: What do you specialize in? Uh, probably younger children. They're my favorite. Uh-huh. They're more active. Their communications are usually better. They're eager to say whatever they want to say to their family and. And then they'll take it, you know, out a couple of out beyond the family to neighbors that they they love, and mm-hmm. it's just incredible. I, some of my more touching readings have been children that come through. Have you ever run into any you know, along that line too? Have you ever run into any past life things when you do reads? Very very little, and in the beginning I didn't buy. I'm very funny. I don't just like. The afterlife, I didn't buy into that right away until I witnessed it. Uh-huh. And then I was smart enough to say, I'm wrong. Look, there's a lot going on. It's the same way with past life. I've had a little few things come through, not very much. But I'm intrigued to hear the stories that other other people have. Uh-huh. And I do believe pretty much every story I hear. Um. Getting back to a crowded room, I know there are you know, people on my team that are the you know field psychics that we have. We'll go into real big buildings, and sometimes, for, for instance, the Brookdale Lodge, and there's like 800 ghosts in there, you know, and hanging around because they're still there having a good old time, right? Because it was a prohibition time, so they're in there drinking and doing whatever it is in their afterlife. Um, to you, uh, the situation where you run into, well, like I said, like a big room is. <clears throat> I know it, and you know it, that when you have a big room like that sitting there, whatever ghost they have with them is there. So how hard is it for you or, you know, to to pick the ones that you want to talk to or do you just allow them to come to you? I think that's true. They come to me. They, 
Um, I joke around with them and sometimes even say, I want to talk to this guy, not you. I'll even joke around, you know, and have, have a little bit of fun with them. But um, now do you do like the K2 meters and the yes. uh, film taping yes. and all that? Yes, sir. You know, I did that once and I'd like to, if you got a minute, I'd love to tell the story because absolutely go for it. This is telling both sides of mediumship and okay. what I'm gonna call ghost hunters. Okay. And what happened was a lady contacted me and said that her son, a uh, teenager, was being kicked out of his bed at night, even scratched. He'd have blood on him in the morning. Now we don't you know logically, you're thinking, is he having like night terrors and doing it himself? You know, you, you don't know what's really going on. So I found it very interesting, and I'm very much into electronics, computers, uh, computer software, stuff like that. So when she asked me, would I go and work with them, I said, I don't want to be hired on. I want to go and just observe. Can I do that? She said, sure. So we go, and the people had their house and then a house next to it. That their son, you know, I guess they were very wealthy. Their son used that for his little playhouse, you know, pool table and bar and everything in it. So we're over there with the meters and we're trying to pick up signals. And I'm talking to them about how it works. And I thought it was pretty ingenious that they um, put the K2 meters in different areas. So they'll try and pick up the entry of a spirit. So one will go off and then get weaker. Another one will go off and they'll kind of know where that spirit is in the room. And I thought that'll be interesting to see if then I can see or connect with the spirit. Uh -huh. But after about an hour and a half, nothing for any of us. Wow. So they're packing their gear up. We're going to go into the main house. And at that moment, before we went out the door, I said, wait a minute. I just saw the weirdest thing. Can anyone relate to about a 10 year old kid? Up at bat, he's got the baseball bat ready to hit the ball. He's got the helmet, the uniform, chain link fence behind him, the stands. I just saw the whole thing. Does that mean anything to anyone in the room? No, Chuck, you're crazy, you know. And I said, okay. We go to the next house. We checked out the first floor. No activity. We went to the second floor. We went in mom and dad's room. No acti activity. We crossed the hall to go to the room where all the activity with the, their teenage son had been happening. And the entire wall was a mural of him, their son, when he was about 10 years old, playing baseball with a baseball. But it covered, it covered the entire wall. Wow. And don't forget, I, I, I had never been in that house until that, that very evening. Mm -hmm. So I knew right away. I said, oh, boy, they're working with me. So we did the kids' room, and I don't know, you know, in fairness to the ghost hunters, we worked till about 3 o'clock in the morning, and they were it was fun hearing some of their stories about, you know, what they had seen and everything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, around 3, 3.30, the parents came back home. They didn't want to be there and interrupt the, uh, you know, the ghost hunters' work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they were wonderful people. They, they brought back food, coolers with beer in it, you name it. It was like a feast you know, back in the, the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I go back there and we're talking, everyone's talking for a minute. And all of a sudden when the, uh, the mother and the father came in, I had to do it. And I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but I said, you know, cause they were talking about the results. They've got to check the tape. They got to check the audio, mm -hmm. you know, got to listen to the headphones, do all of that. 
And I said in front of everyone, I said, I've got to ask a question. Did your son have a brother, a twin that died at birth, and he doesn't know about that twin? And the the way they looked at each other, you knew the answer was yes. And they looked at me and said, how would you know that? I said, what's going on? The spirit of his brother has been around him all the time, but he's telling me, now the the young man is in the room as well. They're telling me that he's got his own little playhouse next door. He owns two cars. He's got a boat. He's got everything he wants, but he treats Mm -hmm. mom and dad like garbage. He doesn't help them out. Mm -hmm. He's very selfish. And his brother in spirit doesn't like the way he's living his life. He would give anything to switch places and let him know what it's like to be over there compared to, you know, being here with everything you have. Right. And the kids started crying, you know, went over and hugged his mother, hugged his dad. And the most beautiful thing was I got a, an email about a, a month later. The mother said all the activity died down and stopped, you know, nothing at all. But the best thing was their son. Mm-hmm. He's always there for mom and dad totally changed his attitude, realized what kind of a person he was, and he did something about it. So when you get to witness stuff like that, it's it's it's, it's beyond amazing. It is amazing. And you were talking earlier about making, you know, not, not intentionally, of course, but making people cry and stuff. And I found that during investigations with, with my psychic staff, when I hear that, and I hate to react that way, I'll be sitting out in the command room, you know, away from everybody, and I hear somebody crying, I'm like, yes, you know, because you know, <laughs> the, you know they hit on something. You know, that, that tears of love, I call yeah, it. Tears of love, yeah. But it's terrible to be that way if somebody actually actually saw me do that. I don't mean anything by it, it's just that that's how I Sure, I didn't either. I, mean, I meant it as, yeah, you yeah. know you've hit a chord when that's happening. That Absolutely. They're, Absolutely. You're hel- and you're helping them, you know, and they're, and they're releasing. And people find that I'm the kind of person, like, if their spouse passed or their child, I'm someone they can talk to. Other people don't know how to talk to them. Mm-hmm. They come up with the cliches, you know, like, oh, you'll get over it, or I'm sure it was a wonderful person, or but they can't get down to the mud. They can't get mm-hmm. out down and talk about the person as if they're still here. But see, I, even just saying you're talking with you today, you're easy to talk to. You're easy to have a conversation with. So I can see why people would be really relaxed around you, you know, when well, you're doing you. the readings. I enjoy people and I love, you never, every time I pick up the phone to do a reading, I have been surprised so many times at who will be on the other end. And even, even um, movie stars that have someone else book the reading. So right. I don't know who I'm reading until I pick up the phone. And when that happens, it's like, how can I sit here and act like we're on the same level or not? Right, right. The other thing now, you know, as you came into your abilities, are you astounded at at what you can do? Yeah, in fact, I I would, um, even up to a couple of years ago, if I had, say, a noontime reading, Uh all morning, I'm going, ah, can I do this? And (laughs) what am I going to tell them? And how's it going to happen? And, you know, it's like, it took a while to, to a medium finally cleared my head and said, I'm not doing anything. They're doing everything. They're doing all the work. Uh-huh. Let them do their job. They'll do what they have to do and they want to do it uh-huh. and they pick who they want to do it. 
Mm-hmm. So if you keep that in mind and you go with it, you know, for all the readings I do, I only have maybe one a year where I just refund the money and mm-hmm. say there's nothing coming through for you or we'll do it next week. We'll reschedule. There might be a reason why nothing's happening now. But one, you know, maybe one a year, that's, those are good averages. Those are good average. Those are good average. Now, when we talked about your specialty earlier, how, how, how do you see things? Do you just hear things or do you actually see the, you know, see who you're oh, talking man, to? Crazy. Sometimes I'll hear it as a voice. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's almost like I already know. I already know the name or the answer or uh-huh. whatever. Sometimes it'll be very vivid, very, very clear. Uh-huh. And in some cases, it'll even be feeling. It'll be pain. One of my favorite stories, because this is a hard one to explain when you when I start off, you'll go, uh-huh. where's he going? Two ladies are on the phone and it's a reading. And in the middle of the reading, I'm talking. And I said, so, blah, 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 blah. I said, hold on. Now we're on the phone. They can't see me, but they can hear me not being able to speak. And I'm going, give me a moment, give me a moment. And they said, Chuck, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, hold on. My mouth is full of peanut butter. <laughs> but for me, um, for me, Charlotte, it was like it was like taking a big, big spoon out, put it in my mouth, and having me uh, try and dissolve right. it. I mean, it was incredible. And and obviously no food around me while I'm doing you know, a reading. Uh-huh. So I said, I said, give me a good story about peanut butter. She said, well, we have something close. I guess the two sisters live in the same neighborhood and both of them went to the one sister's house for me to call, give the reading to both of them. So when the one came over, her two children are allergic to nuts. So there's no nuts in the house. She came to her sister's house and she opened a jar of dry roasted peanuts uh-huh. And while they're waiting for me to call, she was eating, ate the whole jar wow. of dry, dry roasted peanuts because it was such a treat to her. You know, she uh-huh. can't have that at her house. And she said there was a point where she was trying to talk to her sister, but it was like peanut butter in her mouth. But it was incredible that when I was working with it, there's no difference between what I was feeling, tasting, and putting the real peanut butter in my mouth. Uh-huh. So it makes me wonder what else spirit can do. Uh, you know, I've had them like hurt my arm or or give me a stroke on one side of my face. I've had all kinds of things happen. And sure enough, you think it's real, but it's really being done to you. And I think they can even overlay things that we see and uh-huh. make us see things that really aren't there. Uh-huh. No, I just had this conversation the other day with Nancy Rats, and we were talking about, because you mentioned the stroke thing. Um, how has your health been during this stuff over the years? Because, I, you know, with, the, with watching people and watching the psychics that I work with, it seems to take a little bit of, you know, taxing on your health, even if you're grounded. Because, when you know, when they come in, it's your energy they're, they're, they're sucking up. Yeah, I heard, uh, who's the uh, California medium, uh, uh, Henry uh, t- uh, Tyler Henry. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a very good medium. Mm-hmm. He's still new at it, so he'll probably get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the stuff he's done is very good, especially with cameras around and you know the the environment isn't normally as relaxed as something say I would get. Mm-hmm. 
But he made a statement where he told someone as young as he is in good health, when he does a reading, he needs a two-hour nap. So keep that in mind when you're when you're doing it. If you're, you know, it it it's very draining. To me, it's like concentrating on a test or a long test. When I'm done, it's like I can be exhausted, but I can at the same time I'm energized because I'm happy with the reading. I'm happy for connecting, and you do feel extra energy within your body. This is true. What do you like best about what you do? What do I like best? Uh, probably just like out of nowhere today, I just got an email with a lady that had four or five things that weren't validated, even though everything else was validated. Mm -hmm. She went to her mother and everything I gave her from upstairs was right on the money. And then when she told me how it plugged in, and, and the beautiful thing is it's like a spider web because I gave her the reading she wrote everything down, went to her mother. Her mother said, oh, yeah, your dad and I did that. And, you know, and then told the whole story. So it's like you're, you're, you're helping one person after another, and it just keeps going sometimes. Now, do you let yourself, uh, like if you're out shopping and things like that, and, and let's say you see something you know, from one of the other shoppers, do you have the temptation to take them aside or do you just let it go? If it was strong enough, I would. I would figure out a way to break the ice, I guess, and get myself in. But I've got a, a really cute story where I was. I went to a, a local, um, like steakhouse, uh -huh. and you know, I live with my son. I'm a single, single guy, and I'll sit at the bar, even though they don't serve alcohol. Uh -huh. I'll sit at the bar because it's convenient. So I'm sitting there eating, and the people. Didn't know what I did for work. They just know that, hey, here's this guy again. You know, not, I'm friendly with everyone. So, you know, I'm sitting there eating. Well, wouldn't you know, an ad came on for 1-800, uh, one of the psychic ladies, you know, one of the Clio, I think it was. And everyone's like looking at the commercial. And out loud, I said, oh, I don't believe in that garbage. And everyone joined in. Yeah, I don't either. That's bull. They went on and on and on. And I'm sitting there kind of laughing. Well, if they only knew what I did, you know, they wouldn't be laughing. Mm -hmm. Well, they had just hired a new um, waitress. She walked over, looked at the TV and said, I believe in psychics. She said, in this area, does anyone know of any psychics that would that I could hire? Because my brother died last week and I would love to hear from him. And after I made that comment, and you go, I'll do it, I'll do it. You know, you can't really. But this was amazing because you ask, you know, is it turned on or turned off? Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. I said, well, your brother's with you no matter what you're you're doing. I said, he's got a very strong love for you. I said, he's with you right now. He's got his finger with white cream on it, and he's putting it under his eye. And he's telling me to tell you, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that any anymore. Uh -huh. I said, what is the white cream? Oh, he hated that. She said just before he died, he had an eye infection and he had to put this cream oh, on under the eye and it burned yeah. the eye. It would burn the eye and he hated it. So now I've got the other people who heard me say, oh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> and I said, here, let me give you my business card. We'll talk later. I said, just give me a call. I said, in fact, 
because I don't like soliciting that way. Right. It's a, it's a, my phone number, email, everything's on there. We'll set something up. You can come to my house and I'll give you a free reading. Mm -hmm. I know your brother will come through great. You can even bring your family. Okay. So I gave her the card and let it go at that. And we, you know, later we talked. So it was good, but it was really funny how I thought it went from something funny to I'm talking about the cream. And when you're a medium or a psychic and you're doing something like that, uh -huh. you're praying, please, please let it mean something, you know? What is this white cream that I'm seeing? A mm -hmm. um, couple more questions and I'll let you go. Um, what do you think, why do you think there's, there's so many misnomers about psychics? Because I think it's not a perfect communication that I even make mistakes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're trying to disprove it or even be dishonest in disproving it. You know, you, you could easily win the argument. It was John Edwards that I saw on television once. Someone asked him during an interview, how do you handle people that don't believe, you know, in this stuff? He says, I don't. Why should I? Why should I put energy into that when I have people wrapped around the building wanting a reading from me? That's where I put my energy. And I kind of take that same philosophy, philosophy, if you're going to put energy into something, make it worthwhile. If people tell me, hey, I think you're nuts, I think you're crazy, I just, in my head, I'm thinking, then follow me for a week and we'll see how you feel. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this stuff is real. Mm -hmm. Do you find that uh, that there's a difference between the, the, the phone readings that you do as opposed to in person? Not really. Um, one thing about in person, if you nail something really good, you get to see it immediately. If you're on the phone and you say, is your dad's birthday January 1st, mm -hmm. and they're crying a little, you don't get to see that. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering if you're even accurate. Mm -hmm. You're saying, uh-oh, I don't know if they, they liked it or not. Uh, and I know some psychics go and they're using this format or you know, Zoom or um, FaceTime, whatever. And maybe that's a good idea because it's kind of like being with them with all the, the hassles of travel. But I think being around a person, being in the energy, that's what I like the best. Fantastic. And you do have another book besides the uh, Psychic Cop book out, right? I do. It's called uh, Ever Evidence of an Afterlife. It's a little more technical. Mm -hmm. And then the latest one I helped, uh, helped with, I'll show it. Sure. If I can get it on the screen here. Okay. Paranormal contact with famous celebrities. Nice. And what happened here was Ernest Hill, a friend of mine who's had several readings from me, he he did a um he did a thing that I don't normally do. He put he had a box that was taped shut. And then when he came to my home, he opened it up, reached in and grabbed an item that was in a sealed envelope, and he would go, Okay, what are you picking up here? I said, I don't do that, but I'll give it a try. And the first one I, I picked up on, I said, I'm seeing the presidential seal, and I'm feeling like it's a presidential gift. He opened it up, and it was a book of matches taken off Air Force One with the seal on it and everything. So that gave me the confidence that I worked with several other things that he had with him that were, were amazing. And he's the, he wrote the book with a little bit of assistance I helped him. But um, 
to me, it was a don't ever be afraid to go out on the limb and try something. Mm -hmm. If you can do it, great. And if you fail, you've still got a backup plan. So, <laughs> so you can stay with that. Absolutely. How can people find you, sir? The easiest way, if you put in Psychic Cop, my uh, website will pop up. Or ChuckBergman.com mm -hmm. is the actual website. And there are a couple of cute videos. In fact, I love the first one. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I'll tell you how. Right. It's only, it's an eight-minute clip. But what I like about it is the first one minute. Mm -hmm. This is the wife of a state trooper from Connecticut. We're on the phone. And I said, something about a clock or a watch not working. Mm -hmm. She said, I have his watch. I want to give it to our son, but it needs a battery. So I'm thinking, oh, that's great. And then I went a step further. And, you you know, when you do this stuff, you don't want to ruin a good message. Right. So you don't want to necessarily add to it. But I had to. I said, I don't know why, but he's got the, the watch in my face. Did it stop a little after 10 o'clock? And I'm thinking, like, maybe that's the time he died or, uh -huh. you know, there's a reason. She said, well, what time do you see? 10.15, very clearly. 10.15. His badge number was 1015. Wow. I said, see, you know, and to me, you need that during a reading because once you, I hate to say you've hooked the person, but once they trust you, they believe you, they know you're really doing it, you don't have to fight anymore. You can you can give them messages, they'll pay attention, they'll listen, and they don't have that mental block going on. Mm -hmm. Like dummy me, like, oh, that's a nice gift, thank you. And at the end, I finally said, by the way, today is my birthday. That's what the gift was all about. Right. But right. knowing what I know now, that was the wrong thing to do. Right, right, right. Chuck, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This is great. I enjoyed everything. That one flew by. We've got to do it again. Two I hours. Absolutely. I think we will next time. I'd love all to right, do it well, again. Okay, great. Well, I'll be in touch. I'll let you go now, but I'll definitely shoot out an email and we'll get something booked again and get you back on. Sounds good. Thank you. You have a great evening and a great Thanksgiving, sir. Great Thanksgiving. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, wow. That was cool. Absolutely cool. Learned a lot about, you know, his background being psychic and, 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 and yeah, and all that good stuff. Tomorrow, we are going to have a gentleman on talking about missing persons. And I know you guys, you know, uh, know, know about that uh, missing 411. Gentlemen, it won't be him, it'll be somebody else, but we're going to be talking about na national park cases and things like that. So that'll be our usual time at 6.30 p.m. Pacific for y'all, so uh, don't forget to be here. Uh, as I always like to say, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here. We're just trying to get the word out about our little show, and you guys have done a fantastic job between you guys here online and, the, and then uh, the, the RSS feed and all that. I thank every, each and every one of you. So I want to show you his information, two books, and then I'm going to sign off here and you guys can go back to making your pies or doing, doing whatever it is you do to prep for Thanksgiving. So here we go. Website, chuckbergman.com, all lowercase. And of course, the Psychic Cop is the, one, the first book, and the everything. I'm blind. Everything 
Evidence for the afterlife. We'll just leave it at that. I'm blind. You guys know that. It is what it is. And of course, you can get those through his website or over at Amazon. All right, guys. I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., Thanksgiving Eve. So enjoy your evening.